Hello, and welcome back to episode 13 of the Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. This is the show where each week we read a stack of classic Moon Knight comics, then get together and talk about the characters, villains, and stories with an eye towards how these stories may connect to the Disney Plus Moon Knight show that's set to debut on March 30th. We will also be discussing comic history, comic reading, and other Moon Knight-related news. Uh, my name is Dwayne, and with me, as always, is my good buddy Dan. Dan, welcome. Hey, how's it going, Dwayne? It is a great time. As you're hearing this, we're we're a day away from the first episode getting released. Uh, this is this is the last episode living in a world without a live action Moon Knight. How how great is that? That is pretty cool. Never thought so, we'd actually get here, it seems like. Um, <laughs> I forever, know, I know. Right? So Disney's definitely been ramping, ramping up the marketing efforts. We've got a lot of spots and featurettes to feature. You've been hiding from spoilers. And we will look at Moon Knight, uh, what he was up to in t- 2009 all the way to 2012. Uh, we get to talk about how the Sentry is not Marvel's version of Superman, see the unlikely return of Raul Bushman, and get to watch Moon Knight once again try to become a team player. So we've got a lot to talk about, but we need to talk about the show because the show is coming out tomorrow, as you're hearing this, a couple days as we're recording this, and we've been getting a deluge of TV spots and featurettes this week, showing off bits and pieces of the show that we've seen, along with some bits and pieces of the show that we have not seen. What have, what have you thought about the marketing that we've seen this week? I think it's spectacular. It's This is the point, though, I think you kind of like you alluded to, where I am... I am fully on board that I'm going to tune in. And so I don't need yep. to learn anything else. I kind of uh-huh. want to not learn anything else. I'd rather be able to now know as little sort of about the show beforehand as I can so they can just go in and enjoy it. And whatever surprises they may have in store for us, be able to just sort of, you know, experience those as they go along. So they've done a great job, I think, that they're still not giving away a lot. But it is sort of one of those situations where I remember back with um, like Hawkeye, I kind of wish they'd left some of the cool stuff that they put in the promos with like the Christmas tree and all this other stuff, just as something that we'd see when we saw it instead. And I kind of think they're doing that with Moon Knight because it doesn't look like there's a lot of the big sort of uh, sort of big set piece finish type stuff that they've given away yet. I don't know. It, it seems like as we get closer and closer, that does seem to be bigger and and more interesting things showing up in some of these in some of these spots. And and like, I I think I'm actually the exact opposite. I am like eating up every single one of these come coming out, and I'm like looking for what is the new thing that that we haven't seen before. And it's like, ooh, there's this purple swirly thing going on at the top of the, the top of the Egyptian pyramid. And I don't remember seeing that or oh there's a facial expression of Ethan Hawk that I haven't seen before. What what could that mean? Or I think I heard F. Murray Abraham as Khonshu at the end of one of these spots. But I so I've been enjoying those. Uh, the one that actually I think got me the best was the Marvel Studio waiting room, where where you've got the actors. And that was a lot of in, fun. In in this like 
secluded room and they're just sort of waiting for the premiere to come out because they don't they don't want to give away anything and and so it's it, it's it's actually very good if you haven't seen it there'll be a link in the show notes to that but uh but yeah we're gonna have we've got some speculation on what we think we might see in in the last minute speculation about the show let's just put it that way so we're gonna throw some odd some some speculation at you after we go through the the stack for this week so tune in for that but let's let's move on to the any uh moon knight comic book news that we should be cover sure and as a note terrible speculation because I'm, so, yeah, we're, we're yeah not, it's not we're not going to go with like the they're going to be dealing with with mental health in a more legitimate way or something like that there's a lot of those things we're pretty sure about how uh, we're going to pick up some things that are pretty unlikely they're actually going to happen, but uh, swing for the fences and see what happens. So, though, um, though I will say my, my stuff's very tame. It, it, it's more just like, Hey, I think his co- costume is going to look as cool as it actually does in all the still shots. And you know, some of the, that's, I, I do agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, as far as paper comics, the main thing, um, is going out actually listening to into the night. Uh, kind of catching up on that a little bit. And for those of you who are just getting into buying Moon Knight comics, you may wander out to your shop next month, uh, get ready to try and, and order up issue number 13 and find out that it's not being solicited. And don't panic. Uh, like we talked about last week, it is continuing, but they just noted that evidently they needed some more time. Uh, something happened in the schedule. So there is going to be a one-month delay between 12 and 13. So uh, just kind of keep... Keep track of that. Um, it is not canceled, but it will not be solicited next month. So there will be a little bit of a delay between 12 and 13. And then the other thing is we're starting to see sort of uh, signs of life in terms of the Moon Knight reprints. It had been really hard to find any sort of Moon Knight reprints of a lot of the the older series at all, just because they've become so popular with the show coming up. But, for instance, I saw the Lemire run collected at my uh, comic shop this week when I was in there. Uh, one of the new, uh, what, and these are actually pretty hard to find, but a copy of the new trade paperback uh, collecting the, the current run uh, was in there. So if you are interested in going out and finding some of these, it is now getting a little bit easier again, evidently, to track down some of the Moon Knight older series if you want to read them. So go out, see what you can find. Yeah, I actually thought I had a, a line on issue eight of the current run. Uh, the the app for the comic book store I go I went to had it listed in there, so I put it in my cart, ordered it, and then I get an email the next day saying, "Nope, sorry, we don't <laughs> actually have that." Um, I'm oh, not man. sure why it was available, but uh, yeah, no, we still don't have it. So I, I'm still trying to get I'm still trying to get February 2022. Um, so that by the time we get there, I'll actually have the issue to, to read. There you go. Yep. That's how it goes sometimes. <laughs> so, all right, uh, well, let's jump into the stack for this week. Cause we, we actually had a, a pretty, pretty thick stack of books to get through and, and, and actually ended up adding to it as the, as the week went on. T- Dan, tell us what was in the stack this week. That was my fault. So, uh, we started out. With Vengeance of the Moon Knight, number 1 through 10, which is the new ongoing Moon Knight series that came out in 2009. Only lasted 10 issues, but 
Uh, that's going to be a series we'll take a look at. It's got some interesting stuff going on. And then after that, Moon Knight actually ended up being a, an important part of the Shadowland uh, event. It was mostly a Daredevil event, where Daredevil actually joins up as uh, the lead of the hand for reasons we'll discuss. Uh, when he took over the ninja cult, the hand, there was a tie-in story called Shadowland Moon Knight. Those three issues, we're going to read that. And then Secret Avengers number 1 through 15, as he's finishing up Vengeance of the Moon Knight and going into the Daredevil series, we also see that Captain America comes and, or Steve Rogers, he's not actually Captain America at this point. Yeah. Sorry about that. He's always <laughs> Captain America, even when uh, he's not. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. Um, I I forget that you know Steve yeah. Rogers isn't always Captain nope. America. So he's not. It confuses me sometimes. But uh, there was a Secret Avengers one through fifteen where he's got kind of a covert team, and he invites Moon Knight onto that team. We're going to take a look at those books as well. So here we go. Let's, all right, well, let's start with uh, Vengeance of the Moon Knight. We had a, a pretty big arc that actually took like half of this half this yep. run of books, basically, or a little bit more than half the books. Yep, it's uh, entitled Shockin' It's the first six issues of this run, actually. Um, so again, Moon Knight started this as a new ongoing title in 2009. Uh, it's called Vengeance of the Moon Knight. Series lasted 10 issues, the first six of which center around this storyline. Uh, the series was written and in- illustrated by New to Moon Knight creators Greg Hurwitz and Jerome Opeña, with Dan Brown and Joe Carmagna returning on colors and letters. Um, so our man Moon Knight has returned from his vacation in Mexico. He's got bags of cash with him to sort of set himself back up again. Uh, he's determined to reestablish himself as a hero in New York. Starts the series by foiling a robbery uh, on a fancy new motorbike that he's driving around on. Uh, He also skateboards around the town in a crashed van. Ends up reconnecting with Marlene and Frenchie. Uh, What we find really is Moon Knight is sort of a changed man, or is really attempting to be. And and he shocks everyone from the public to the police with his newfound restraint. So instead of murdering people and tearing their faces off and normal Moon Knight things, he's now arresting criminals without maiming, mutilating, or really murdering any of them. Yeah, no, surprises no, people. No, no moon crescents in the forehead, no, no nothing. None of that. So, nonetheless, um, some of the locals in New York still are not particularly sure that they're ready to re-accept him. The Sentry stops by to discourage him. Uh, the newspapers are still pretty suspicious of him. Norman Osborne decides to have a character called the Hood and the Profile, who we've seen before, uh, break Moon Knight by reincarnating his nemesis, Raul Bushman. Bushman then returns and immediately joins up in a plan to set loose an army of lobotomized prisoners on New York City. Moon Knight and Bushman end up fighting. Bushman turns his lobotomized army on Moon Knight, and eventually it all ends with Bushman impaled on a machine gun. Which, long-time listeners to the podcast understand and can attest, is classic Moon Knight, right? It's, uh, having your having your villains end up impaled somehow on some weird sticking up piece of <laughs> piece of metal or something at the end of the fight is just absolutely his uh, his modus operandi. So there we go, though. That's kind of how these first six books go. What'd you think, sir? It, it was it was actually kind of kind of a nice 
uh, like bringing him back to New York. I liked, I liked the art in these books. It wasn't, wasn't quite at where, where I really liked it in volume five, but it was still like very almost photorealistic sort of looking um, from what I remember. And like the idea that you have this, this character, this villain that, that, that almost that basically sent Moon Knight off the deep end. It would make sense that if you're a villain and you want to send him off the deep end again, that you would figure out a way to try and try and bring him back. So, uh, like from a story standpoint, this 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 made total sense to me, and and it just it 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 felt it felt solid. It felt good. It felt like his his return and like the way people are concerned about him and are not so trusting. It's just like it, it, it actually felt like, okay, there was ramifications for him being crazy and, and leaving. Um, so it just, it, it felt realistic. And I, and I feel like a lot of times, sometimes the issue I have is that things don't feel realistic. And, and so I, I think they did a good job. I, I think it, it, the story was good. And, and, um, once again, Ralph Bushman just can't seem to can't seem to foil foil Moon Knight. No, it's, uh, that that was a little crazy. And at, at the very end, he's sitting there, you know, and Moon Knight comes up to him, and he's literally like, "Please don't take my face again." Like he's like, <laughs> yeah. like why why do I keep doing this? I should just you know go to Los Angeles or someplace he's not. Essentially, he has to be thinking to himself at this point. But in any case, yeah. So Bushman, he did not kill him this time. Bushman is still alive, impaled, but he left him there for the police. And so, yes, nobody. So he could, in case he you could were worried about him, yeah, Bushman, yeah. Bushman was not murdered. It's I also did, interesting. Oh, go ahead. I, I did want to ask one question though, because the you know they you talked about the lobotomized prisoners, um, and that there was. Looked like a character that I'd seen in DC called Scarecrow in the in that book. Do you, yeah. What what was up with is that? What was up with that? I guess is is what I'm going to say. Yeah. So I mean, it looks like Scarecrow, and because it is Scarecrow, right? The, there's literally, I guess, only so many kind of villain names and archetypes, and in this case, we literally have a villain for Marvel that almost looks and acts and has the same sort of, sort of vibe as as the Scarecrow for DC. They are largely the similar characters. So, yeah. Um, And he shows up a lot in, like, the Fear Itself run that we're going to see some stuff referenced here a little bit, things like that. Um, But it's, overall, it's it's a kind of an interesting story. They try to bring everybody back. So Frenchie, we find, is now kind of a broken man. He's sitting in the thing drinking, I think, because his shop got sort of wrecked during all of the the stuff going on and um, looks like business is bad or whatever. He ends up back in the chopper, actually. Marlene is actually doing well, but she somehow gets roped back in. She sees him skating along on the side of a van in his Moon Knight costume and decides that she's got to go and see what's going on. Um, and then we see Crawley who has kind of a weird thing where he's still giving information. At one point he gets hit in the head though and spends like half an issue as a surfer dude where he's talking in this crazy, very non-Crawley kind of way. Um, it's, 
it's a little it's a little crazy some of the things they do but i think the nice thing about this is even with the coloring it's very sunny like there's a lot of yellows and a lot of time where moonlight is spending time in the day like saving yeah. the city and being a part of the city rather than being this force in the night kind of thing. Yeah, it wasn't it it definitely did not feel like it's an entire book of him at night. Like, you know, I I I get it kind of feels like that's when he would go out and do his thing before now, but yeah, he he was actually like out during the day and and dealing with things that were going on during the day and 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 so the the panels just the panels themselves were brighter and yep. had a uh you know, a a more light look to them than than a lot of stuff we've seen recently yep absolutely right so in addition to not knowing who scarecrow is i i don't know who sentry is who is sentry and and why did he make an appearance in this book this is really weird and it's kind of a strange almost like like funny deep cut in some ways because sentry is actually a character that didn't exist in the Marvel Universe until, like, the early 2000s or something like that. But then once uh-huh. he did, they retroactively made him a part, a key part of the Marvel Universe going all the way back to its inception. Really? So the That's idea weird. is that the Sentry has always been a part, essentially like a Superman in the, the Avengers Justice League for the Marvel Universe. But then what happened is at a certain point, there was a his arch-villain called the Void that was going to destroy the world. And he found out somehow that what the Void really was was a manifestation of a part of himself. And so to keep the Void from destroying everything, he made himself and the world forget that he had ever existed. And he forgot that he had the power, which then somehow also got rid of the void. And so for the better part of the first 40 years of the Marvel Universe, he was just a guy hanging around. He got married. He had a, he had a family, whatever. And then he suddenly discovers again that he's the sentry. And they start trying to bring him back in. And people start to remember that he actually was, you know, who he, who he really was. But so essentially there was like this secret Superman in the Marvel Universe all along, but he's just been in hiding for years. And so what's weird is that, you know, with the whole Superman and and Batman versus, you know, the Moon Knight Batman thing, it's like you've got the craziest versions of Batman and Superman sitting here in a Marvel comic just talking to each other because they both have massive psychological issues. And it's kind of interesting seeing them get together and hang out. That that is a team up comic. I would I would pay to read. I would love <laughs> that. Moon that Knight would in the be century. that would be interesting. So. And that is the I I honestly think that is the craziest thing I've heard, comic book wise, since we started. That is that is yeah. It was created literally. by a guy named Paul Jenkins and then uh, Rich Rick Veach and Jay Lee, all of whom have done some pretty crazy stuff. But there was a miniseries back in the day. And then they've kind of continued it here and there since then. I haven't really followed up on it since, but I, I enjoyed the original stuff they did because it was just nuts kind of seeing how that rewrote everything, essentially. So 
Wow. Um, yeah. Okay. I did not expect that when I asked, when I started asking about the century. I was like, okay, here's this Superman looking guy, and he's like, better behave, Moon Knight. You better behave. And there probably are people who've been like more into the actual deep chronology of the post two thousand Marvel universe who may go, that's not entirely right, and I agree with you. I'm pretty sure that I've somewhere along the line I'm not entirely up on my century lore, but I uh, I really enjoyed it. I like the character. I think he's, okay. he's pretty cool. Is there anything else we should talk about on one through six, or should we jump ahead to no, the seven? I think that's good. Okay. So we continue with The Vengeance of Moon Knight with issues seven and eight. It's a two-book story in which Moon Knight squares off against Deadpool, who's hired by a grieving widow to kill off a mob boss who killed her husband and daughter. The mob boss, who's near death himself and a patient at Mount Sinai Hospital, is actually saved by Moon Knight during Deadpool's first attempt to kill him. He gets notified there's crazy things going on, and and so he goes down and saves this guy. And after reviewing information about the man he just saved, he then tracks down the hideout where several of his men are holding a child that he has kidnapped from another family. Moon Knight saves the child and confronts Deadpool again in an amusement park and tells him he shouldn't kill the mob boss. They fight. Moon Knight hurts Deadpool quite badly. And uh, while recovering, Deadpool's visited by, by the woman who's very disappointed that he still has not killed the mob boss. So she takes matters into her own hands, entering the hospital dressed as a nurse and drugs him while Moon Knight watches from outside. Uh... This this was kind of a kind of a weird and interesting story. I have never read a Deadpool story before. I've loved the movies, and uh, yeah, I I see now why Ryan Reynolds is is lauded for doing Deadpool so well because yeah, that felt I I literally felt like I was hearing Ryan Reynolds in my head as I'm going through this book. It mm-hmm. I, I actually like this book quite a bit. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's fun stuff. It's kind of that standard for reasons you get the hero fighting, you know, against um, the fact that both of these guys are a little bit sketchy on their on their heroism sometimes means we get a lot more violence than than we might otherwise. But I did too. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was it was well done. The art was different. The art was by somebody named uh, Tanang Kwat, and I don't even have a particularly good comp for exactly who it looks like, but it's really very vibrant kind of uh, almost European art style that is really interesting to look at. He did a nice job in them. And just overall, fast-paced, a lot going on. Pretty interesting stuff. The, the amusement park where they fight is uh, ended up being like very nightmarish uh, just in the style that the that the art ended up being in, it wasn't like it. It kind of was a dark and spooky almost, and and almost like nightmare fuel. I guess mm-hmm. would be the best way to put it. So like, it, it didn't. It did the the art didn't strike me as all that out of the ordinary until we got no. to that part, and then it was just like. Wow, this is really this is really something. But yeah, it, it different than what we've seen before. Yeah, I think one of the things I liked most about 
that story actually was there's a certain point where they're fighting where Moon Knight is sort of taking it a little easy. He doesn't want to, you know, he's now a good guy. He doesn't want to hurt people. And at, at some point, um, Deadpool just says kind of, you know, on a, as an aside, he's, you know, like, why are you, why are you trying this stuff with me? You know, you know, I can't be killed. <laughs> and Moon Knight says, wait a minute, you can't be killed? And then he just completely goes off on him. And all this aggression he's been holding back because he's trying to be good, he just absolutely slaughters Deadpool because wow. he's not going to die. So I think that's in another very interesting point on the character that, you know, even as he's trying to be a good guy, a lot of pent-up rage in this guy where if he finds somebody that he can actually not murder, he's going to hurt the heck out of them as... Just, just for the fun of it, because he can, right? Uh, so, for for those who who sort of like their Moon Knight a little bit on the on the more aggressive side, the especially issue eight of Vengeance of the Moon Knight is a a real good book to to check out. All right. Well, why don't you jump into the single story story, single book story from issue number nine? This one. It's Moon Knight and Spider-Man teaming up again. We've got another team-up book. Uh, it's a supersized issue where they take on the Sandman, who's attempting to steal a diamond for his daughter from a museum. Lots of action, another moon copper crash, narrow escape for Jean-Paul. Eventually, Moon Knight and Spider-Man defeat Sandman with the help uh, of Jean-Paul when they spiderweb a subsonic aircraft in place and scatter Sandman to the wind. So, this is a pretty thin story as far as I'm concerned. I, I mean, I don't want to yeah, talk too much about this. It's Yeah, there's there's not much there. No, there wasn't much character development. And we had literally, like, entire pages that were just a picture of an elephant statue in a museum. And them kind of looking at it and stuff. It was really a, a paper-thin plot and story to try and hang an entire issue on. So, yeah. Well, one thing I will say. So this is the first book... I've seen the Sandman in and, sure. and so I, you know, I have seen Sandman uh, in the Spider-Man movie, the most recent one, No Way Home. Yep. And I could not believe how much uh, the actor who plays Sandman in the movie, Thomas Hayden Church, oh, looks yeah. like the guy in the comic book. It was freaking did, to me. And did thing. even, and did even before Thomas Hayden Church was cast to play the part. Like he, he was a perfect casting in terms of just appearance for the role I, of Sandman. I, I just, I literally, mm. the first shot you see Sandman, I'm like, oh my God, they drew Thomas Hayden Church in here. But, but no, he actually, you know, this this book probably came first, and, and so no, this is crazy. I don't think it did, and they do actually, um. They do actually start to do that. Like as the actors get popular, the characters do sort of morph in the books. I mean, the the most famous version of that is that Nick Fury, for the better part of the history of Marvel Comics, has been a white guy with a buzz cut, right? And then we have a, a comic series called The Ultimates that comes out and they redo that. And the artist that's doing that decides that he wants to redo Nick Fury and he draws him instead as Samuel Jackson, right? As Samuel L. Jackson. And so 
Samuel L. Jackson then's like, yeah, that looks good. I should do that. And now the actor plays the role, and, you know, it's it's hard to imagine now that Nick Fury has has sort of just become the actor. But really, yeah. they have, you know? But I, I mean, the, the previous iterations of, of Nick Fury that we've seen, I, I, I did, I had to do a double take, because I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't... This is not the image of Nick Fury I have in my head because I've seen him in all these movies, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. I find it... I've been reading comics for 40 years. I don't still find it weird to read old Nick Fury comics because I'm just used to him being Samuel Jackson. So, there you go. Yeah, it's kind of it's crazy. So, but uh, but yeah, this book, not not a lot there in terms of any character development or anything we'd really need from, from Moon Knight. So, yeah, so let's pro- jump to, proceed to, to number 10. 10. To yeah, number 10, Moon Knight is recruited by Steve Rogers to join the Secret Avengers. Uh, the rest of the team we find out is War Machine, Ant-Man, Beast, Black Widow, and Valkyrie. Uh, at least for this story, it changes as we go into the actual Secret Avengers books. Their mission is to rescue some hostages that are on an oil tanker that's been commandeered by the group Black Mast. Moon Knight is asked to switch from a white suit to a black one to hide in the shadows better, which I thought was actually kind of interesting. The group parachutes down to the ship, and after fighting with some of the Black Mast, Moon Knight and Valkyrie, rescue the hostages while the rest of the team take on barracuda who's the captain or the leader of this group things are going well it looks like the team's going to win only to have barracuda uh pull out and use the horn of proteus yep which which summons several large octopus like sea creatures that threaten to kill everyone Moon Knight has an idea to save the group, having Valkyrie's horse pull a portion of the ship's decking away from the the sea creature uh, that has the team and the hostages on on it, while Black Mast are left behind to deal with the sinking ship and the creatures. So this was was interesting. We kind of got Steve Rogers at the end of, of book nine saying, hey, I need you for something, and then we go into this story which is just kind of a one-off uh, story with them uh, going in and rescuing these hostages. Uh, it was okay. I, I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say this was a fantastic story or anything. Uh, it, was, it was a nice introduction to, to Secret Avengers. And, and, I mean, it was it was kind of a quick and easy, hey, this is what we're going to do now, so let's do this. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't remember the art being all that, you know spectacular or or memorable i guess would be probably the better word of it and there wasn't anything really beyond the fact that they just they they like made him wear a black suit but then he's like kind of huffing under his breath about it because he goes well valkyrie's you know riding in on this giant white stallion and that's not a problem yeah because they wanted him to be you know inconspicuous and then yeah she's got basically a pegasus she's riding in on so but uh, this was this was interesting. It's actually, I think, that the easiest way to think of it is it's almost like a backdoor pilot for the Secret Avengers, right? This really is Secret Avengers point five, because yeah. at the end of nine, uh, Steve Rogers comes and he's like, "I hear you're you're looking for a mission, soldier. I'm I've got just the ticket for you." And then that brings us into actually uh, this this mission, and then essentially him joining up with. The, with the team and and 
being a part of it for the next how many issues uh, that we'll see in Secret Avengers. So it it is interesting just because it yet again shows that in Moon Knight, as a guy who doesn't really have any powers, what he brings to a team is sort of, he's like Hawkeye without a bow, right? In terms of being on a team. It's, it's just yeah. sort of, it's just sort of not ever been his thing. And this is another example where he has, he has a good idea, helps that sort of stuff, but mostly he's, he's punching a little bit. They've changed up his uniform. Um, I don't think there was anything here that was particularly, you know, a lot of Moon Knight. He got to save the day because it was his book, but there was a lot going on in it. So the, the art by, um, was actually pretty good by Juan Jose Rip. He's done the last few issues here, I think nine and ten. And I like his stuff. Again, kind of bright, clean artwork. Very easy to read. So the art on all these Vengeance and Moon Knights was actually really nice. Art, the coloring, all of that. So, But yeah, so that brings us to the end. And then at the very end of it, it essentially forks. So the next two things we talk about both basically happen simultaneously. And in fact... The stuff he's doing in Shadowland, he's doing in many ways to get things that Steve Rogers needs so that the Secret Avengers can save the day over in the other part of the story. So okay. this that, is all that just sort of... That makes more sense now because I read Secret Avengers first and then I came back to Shadowland after you mentioned, hey, this, mm-hmm. is, this is important and, and this needs to happen as well. And, and I'm like, I don't get where the timing of this is because it's after kind of, because they reference in Shadowland, they reference Steve Rogers and, and meeting up with the team. Yep. And, and so I'm like, it had to happen after Vengeance, but I'm not sure, like, you know. Yeah, Shadowland number one, Shadowland Moon Knight number one would have come out a month or two at most after the end of Vengeance of Moon Knight. And essentially was his his solo title for those three months. But then while that was going on, he'd also already started up in Secret Avengers. So he's got these two books going simultaneously. But, so, Shadowland. This is a bigger story. Uh, Daredevil has gone bad. He's now the leader of the hand, which he's using to sort of accomplish his own ends in New York during something that is is called the Shadowland event. Uh, This happened in 2010. Hey there, True Believers. This is Future Dan from the Edit Booth. I just wanted to make a quick note that probably since Dwayne has watched the Daredevil show, he didn't think to question the uh, the hand and who they were and where they came from. But for those of you who maybe have not watched a lot of the MCU or read the comics, just wanted to put in a note that the hand have been around for a long time as a sort of Japanese ninja crime organization. They're a group of assassins that has uh, essentially been featured in Daredevil way back in the, in the Miller era. They faced off against Wolverine, and they pop up pretty regularly in the Marvel Universe. It makes a lot of sense that when they decided to do a Daredevil event where he was going to go bad, he would somehow manage to um, find a way to make the hand his henchman in, uh, in his evil schemes. So, with that... We will return you back to the episode in progress. Thanks. Uh, Part of this happens, or includes, him deciding that he wants to take down Moon Knight. 
And to do this, he enlists the help again of the profile. Everybody seems to believe that if you want to get to Moon Knight, you got to use the profile because he's the guy that somehow understands him, right? Profile, in this case, instead of going back and finding Bushman, he decides to take an even sort of more primal uh, villain or, or antagonist. He creates a second avatar of Khonshu to battle Moon Knight. And this new avatar, which he dubs the Shadow Knight, actually turns out to be Spectre's brother, Randall, who we long thought to be dead at this point. We haven't seen him in forever, right? Um, dead, dead multiple times, actually. Yeah, yeah he's, he's had a, he's had a I, I believe, impaled on a, uh, a tree or a piece of metal, in fact, at yeah. least once. So, yeah, maybe twice, in fact. I think, I think twice. Um, in any case, so Randall is now out there. He's, he's essentially trying to defeat him. But also, Moon Knight then needs to find a relic called the Sapphire Crescent and f- use that to free Daredevil from the hold of a demon that Khonshu has identified as the Beast. Uh, so essentially what he has to do is fight off, and it seems like apparently end up kill uh, his brother in order to get that Crescent and then get it to the Secret Avengers uh, or the Avengers so that they can actually use it to sort of get this demon out of Daredevil and get him back to normal and save the world and all the rest in, in the process. This was a good story. Let, let me start by saying that. I think it I think it was really interesting. There was actually a callback in this book. You know, the reason uh I, you know the profile gets gets kind of tapped again to kind of figure out how to deal with with, with Moon Knight is is actually during that one through six run of Vengeance of Moon Knight the profile actually goes to Egypt and and like goes into an Egyptian temple like thing and and like actually like he's trying to figure out why he can't read Moon Knight and and actually goes to Egypt and, and ends up I think kind of in front of like a Khonshu statue or something and suddenly understands that like this god Khonshu is kind of the source of the power and so he's like the re so that that's how he comes up with this idea of a second avatar of Khonshu and, and so the fact that it ends up being Randall Specter is crazy to me because as as we mentioned he's he's died like a couple times and we've he keeps coming back and like at first you don't even realize it's him it's just some random guy who looks like he's about ready to commit suicide actually and and like the profile comes in and he's like you know i've got the reason you you seem to be down on yourself you know you need a purpose you need to have a vision this that i can give this to you and 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 kind of starts talking him up and like from that point of view it, it got to be really interesting and then you like you see these flashbacks of, of uh, you know, Mark and Randall when they're kids and and all of this and and it just there was there was a lot here and it and it looked good and it was interesting and and like it didn't even necessarily bother me that Randall was the was the the Shadow Knight when it all came down to it it was just an interesting story and I I would imagine it like if I had a larger context of the shadow of land event, I would be even more, this would be even more interesting, but uh, I didn't have that, but this, this still, 
I think there was enough here that that the story was interesting and and definitely would would be worth a read if you got an opportunity to do so. Yep, I'd say that there's one thing I really liked about the fact that this was an event book, and there's one thing I really didn't like. The thing I really mm-hmm. liked is that what essentially happens is that the Shadowland event and Daredevil somehow just sort of provides the impetus for a story that then becomes a Moon Knight story. So it's really sort of just the MacGuffin that allows Spectre to go off and have his story. So you don't really need to know much about Shadowland or the Hand or what any of this stuff is to be able to know exactly what's going on and enjoy these books. But it still drives me nuts that massive character development things like his brother coming back from the dead and him then killing him again, uh, a bunch of stuff about his childhood and his decision to essentially go back and change his name back again. Because he's been going under Jake Lockley all this time when he went down to Mexico and then even when he came back. And at the very end of this, he then goes in and he's like, no, I'm Mark Spector. And he returns back to his other name. And all of this happens within the context of a comic book that is nowhere within Moon Knight's main line. Really? What's going on with that? Right? So that does bother me. Just as a collector, these are the sorts of books that sometimes you would skip. If you're like a fan of Moon Knight and you just want the regular stuff, maybe you're like, ah, I don't need all of these crossover things. Well, in this case, you kind of do. So more happened in these books than in a lot of much larger runs in terms of actual character development for him. Yeah. Because you see some stuff with his father, you see some stuff with his brother, uh, a little bit about, you know, more about him kind of getting in trouble and and enlisting uh, when he was young and stuff like that. There's a lot of the early story of of Mark Spector that gets developed in here. So, yeah. And even Randall, too. You kind of get, you know, that Randall was like following in in Mark's footsteps in, yep. in a lot of ways. And, and so like, and, and then you see like that their father is not, not happy about that in the slightest. And, and nope. like, if you missed these books, you, you wouldn't necessarily have that context when it comes to, when it comes to these characters. So yeah, I, and, and, and then like, yeah, at the very end of book three, he's just like, as the epilogue to the story, he, he's just kind of standing uh, on a on a balcony looking out and Marlene's like trying to get his attention, says Jake. And he's like, I'm not Jake anymore. I'm I'm Mark. Well, Jake's dead, baby. Jake's dead. Yeah. So there you go. So, um, yeah, interesting books. So these would be something that I think, you know, if you have access to them and they're on Marvel Unlimited and you're reading Moon Knight. This would definitely be stuff you would want to take a look at. So, cool. There, there was a lot of books in that Shadowland event. I was looking; they had oh, on God. the back on the back cover. They actually had like a a checklist where you could yes. be like, "These are all the books you would need in order to totally get everything you needed for the Shadowland event." So, the, and and like, you know, and they had it split out by month too, and like. You know, these are the ones that you should have read by now and this sort of thing. And and so it, that I thought was really handy, because if you wanted to actually learn about and go through this whole event, 
that that would have been really handy handy to have mm-hmm. especially now in retrospect being able to go back but no yep. so are you disappointed that we didn't just assign all of those and, and read the entire Shadowland event while we were at it another, another 20 30 books this, <laughs> I don't, this week? I, I don't know that I would have been able to get through another another uh, 20 books like that but I, I, I'm glad we got these three at least it actually did a really good job of the, the that intro the title page or the kind of introduction to the to the story we've talked about the recaps to kind of bring you in they did enough with the recap explaining what was going on in Shadowland that I didn't have to read the other stories to to make sense of Mo- Shadowland Moon Knight which which was nice I I, mm-hmm. I don't like feeling lost when I when I'm reading a comic book and and that 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 seems to be happening less frequently now than it than it was, mm-hmm. um, but but yeah, it's it's it, it it is something. I think there's two reasons for that actually. Okay. I think one, you know, the continuity of Moon Knight enough that most stuff within its sphere makes sense, and then the stuff like the Sentry is so completely out there. That they don't even bother to explain it, and unless you already are deep in the continuity, you just never even think to be confused by it because they yeah. don't explain it at all. Right? Yeah. I, you know? I mean, I didn't know who. I'm just like, okay, so there's this other guy that I don't know. Yep. And and he's just keeping tabs on Moon Knight too. Okay, got it. Yep. I think it's interesting because that that is one of the things is that some of the some of the things have gotten so difficult that actually explaining them is almost impossible in the context of not breaking up a story. So they right. just don't bother anymore, and then it doesn't bother you. Yeah. Whereas, you know, back in the day in the 80s and the like, I think they were much more conscientious about there'd be a big editor's note that would say, by the way, here's exactly what happened back in issue 74 of the Avengers that, I, you know, I, yeah. To and then that point, just confuses I, you. Because you're yeah. like, oh man, I wish I knew more about what happened in 74 of the Avengers or whatever. To so. your point, I don't remember the last time there was a little asterisk saying, go check out, you know, issue no. whatever no. Uh, for, for for what happened. Yeah. No, they don't do it anymore. I had so. not even crossed my mind that that was a thing that was something I was seeing every issue and now it has completely disappeared. No, I don't. I don't remember seeing any for a long time either. And I, it's not really a thing that that is a common part. They've gone the way of thought balloons, essentially. You just don't really see it much anymore. So, let's talk about Secret Avengers. Uh, let's. So let's not talk very much about Secret Avengers. <laughs> okay. So this Secret Avengers is actually the team book that uh, Moon Knight jumps onto after Vengeance of the Moon Knight ends, and we're going to just go over these with sort of broad strokes because Secret Avengers number one through five is going to be tied into the Heroic Age event, and number 13 through 15 connects to the Fear Itself event. In between those two, we actually get a five-part story with Shang Shai called Eyes of the Dragon, and a two-part story focusing on the super soldier John Steele. Uh, Moonlight is actually a part of this team, but he very rarely features prominently, and... You know, we don't really even need to go through the whole story because essentially, even if he is there, he's just sort of there he's background. As, as background or muscle. You know, he's going to be somebody who's punching somebody in the background 
while somebody else is taking center stage for character development. And usually, usually Steve Rogers, usually Steve <laughs> Rogers. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of Steve Rogers in these books. So. Yep. There, there's um, also some cool Valkyrie, I have to admit, because the fear yeah. itself one, actually there's some cool Valkyrie stuff going on, but yeah, it, it really is a Steve Rogers book. There's no question about it. And even when you look at the super soldier and the like, and kind of the, the whole thing going on, uh, with, with John Steele, He's really sort of somebody who comes out of the mythology of Captain America because he's sort of America's first super soldier, right? Now, there have been a few different things on that, but he's like not even a super soldier who was given the serum. He's almost like a guy who discovered this weird sort of portal or something, ended up getting superpowers from it way back at like the time of the, like the Civil War. And then eventually was captured by Germans in World War I. And the German scientists that experimented on him are the ones that then end up making the serum that created the Red Skull and created Captain America and or Captain Americas and all the rest. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, he goes back and then is also tied in with another Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that. So... I, I do think that some of the callbacks to things we have seen in Moon Knight were interesting, though. So, I don't know if, did did you recognize or or note the whole Nick Fury LMD life yeah. model decoys? Yes, uh, that that was, I, I that immediately, like, rang a bell. I'm like, we've dealt with a Nick Fury life model decoy before. And I was like, I don't know if there's more than one, but I... I'm just like, I think we've had a story about that or, or had uh, dealings with uh, a life model decoy of Nick Fury. Yep, because way back in the Defenders books, sort of some of Moon Knight's first appearances, he fought Scorpio in his Zodiac. And at the end of that one was actually when we had Nick Fury's brother kill himself at the end, which is sort of That's referenced right. in this whole thing. And then the life model decoy that is in this one called Max, is actually, he sort of went from being a, a robot or a decoy, essentially like a, a um, just, you know, an, an android sort of thing, to almost like more of a synthetic being, like the Vision, where he developed true consciousness. And because of that, he thought he was the real Nick Fury, and then started wandering on, and every time somebody told him that he wasn't the real Nick Fury, He'd go crazy, and he'd forget it again, and then he'd think he was Nick Fury again. So he spent all these years on the run from S.H.I.E.L.D., and eventually right. ends up falling in with bad company, and he's on the wrong side of things. But, yeah, these were, these were interesting stories. I mean, to be quite frank, like, when you look at the creative team and the like, you know, they're written by Ed Brubaker, who is one of my favorite writers in comics. He does a lot of hard-boiled stuff, things like that. And then uh, Mike Diodato Jr. does the art on most of these. If you're just talking about high-quality creators and high-quality comics, it would be hard to beat these. But as Moon Knight stories, eh. They, they felt really polished, I guess, would be the word I would use to describe yes. them. Because like, like the look looks polished, the stories felt polished. There definitely felt like there was a lot to it and, and like 
but but at the same time it's like this is not a moon knight story moon knight no. moon knight completely freaking disappears during the during the shang chi story I, yep. and like for like four like three or four books he is just not there he's not even shown as one of the members of the secret avengers on the on the on the like catch-up page uh inside inside the cover and so like i'm looking at this i'm like what the heck is going on here is he still a member did he leave and i not realize it and then all of a sudden at the end of one of the books it's like yeah this is moon knight i've i've invaded the you know i'm i'm inside the ship now just just like we planned and it's like oh hey moon knight welcome back buddy good to see you but yeah um, but yeah, stuff. they're like the the first story. They go to Mars, and a lot of weird stuff happens there. And so, like, so I'm also thinking about that with regards to Shadowland. And I'm like, when did he have to? When did he go to Mars? How how did he do this and and help help deal with Daredevil and and this assassin group that he was leading? Don't. This doesn't make any sense to me. But don't. I actually think the I and I don't know about the fear itself event at all. Just. Just mm-hmm. so you might have to tell me about that, but I actually think my favorite books of this run were the three Fear itself stories. They weren't Moon Knight stories, but yep. they were just good stories. Yep, I would I would agree that calling back to kind of what you said earlier when you talked about them being polished, I think that's that's a perfect word. These are just really really good comic creators at the top of their form. Everything is exactly the way it should be. And, if, if and nothing making, is out of place. If making comic books is a craft, these are people yeah. who are really good at their craft. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I 100% agree. So, so that's Secret Avengers, though. In terms of, again, if you're reading to catch up on Moon Knight, this is not, this is not a series you need to worry about. So, yeah. but that is, that's kind of where Moon Knight is. We're, uh, we're wandering through the early 2010s. Dwayne, what are your uh, what are your sort of initial reactions to these books we just finished reading? You know, I I didn't like them quite as much as I liked Volume Five, but but there was some really good stuff here, and and I I am very glad that we got to see the the Shadowland books because I I, I actually think you know that and and Ven- the the first Vengeance story, the one through six arc, I think were were important reads and i think they're they're really important to the character and and definitely something something worth reading so moon knight's back on a team how did you feel about him being a team a team member again is is there he's 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 not he's not a team i don't i don't think (laughs) he he is either he i one thing i'll say about secret avengers is i do team books like secret avengers i could not follow them and and it's not and like i said this does feel polished it does feel like it, it's perfectly crafted but at the same time it's just like there's too many important people and like there it was like it was like oceans 11 if there was like 20 people on oceans 11 and they're all vying for screen time and you're trying to figure out what's going on, and they all kind of have some backstories from some other books or something, and I may or may not know what that stuff is that they're bringing into this, and, and like it just, yeah, I, it's, it's it's just interesting because the books that I think you like the most out of the Secret Avengers 
were those last ones, which really were almost like a solo beast story, a solo Black Widow story, and a solo Valkyrie story. Right. With a a little bit of other stuff from the others. But they they had a very specific focus on just one character. No, I, I think that team books are tough. And, you know, you don't necessarily... If you get character development, it's for the team leader or for one or two characters, not necessarily for everybody most of the time. So I, I know a lot more about Steve Rogers than I did, did before this. I, I, I will go. say that. I do. I know a lot more about Steve Rogers now. Than I will also say, though, that it depends a little on the characters, too. Because, like, X-Men under Claremont was a book that it had unbelievable numbers of characters. And it always seemed like all of them were doing something interesting. And the characters were moving forward and they were interacting and the like. So partly it's the characters and how compatible the characters are for sort of a team environment. And partly it's the writing and just the way that the book is done as well. So, you know, there can be great team books. I, growing up, Legion of Superheroes and New Teen Titans, these were sort of my bread and butter books. I absolutely loved them. So I I always liked the team books because you had more characters and everything else. But they have to be done a certain way and they can get a little bit, uh, a little bit difficult to follow. Is it to your point about the fact that Moon Knight doesn't really have powers? So, like, like I'm I'm looking at somebody like Ant Man in here, and he feels like he plays a more pivotal role in these books than Moon Knight does, and and so like, I start to wonder like why why is it that Ant Man feels more important to me than Moon Knight does in these books? Well, I mean, it's sort of the way, you know, Daredevil has never really been a team guy. Most of your sort of street-level heroes, they they end up sort of just doing their own thing because they're more about one-on-one. They're not going to be great taking on these, you know, world-level threats, defeating Galactus or whatever. That's just not Moon Knight's job, right? So I, I do think that it is difficult, and it's also the reason why, you know, that people kind of, make the jokes about Hawkeye and stuff like that. Because the folks without powers, you have to really work to find some way that a team that has Thor has any need for a guy who shoots arrows. And similarly, if you've got Valkyrie, why do you need almost anybody else? So what what's the deal with Secret Avengers versus like the regular Avengers that I'm aware of? Like, uh, obviously it's different party members but is there so so the secret avengers essentially are an attempt by brubaker who's really good at a lot of sort of the the noir sort of stuff anyway to make a superhero team book that's more almost like the espionage types of books that you would have seen back in the steranko days of captain america where they're operating in secret they're doing the jobs that you know, need to be done. Uh, you see in the first issue where they're trying to sneak into that place and they've got uh, Valkyrie and Black Widow undercover. They're trying to recover something without anybody knowing who they are. It's supposed to have more of that kind of feel. Okay. I don't know if it ever really pulled that off outside of the first couple of issues and it turned into a more standard superhero book, really. But that was, I think, where kind of the plan was. was it, a, it would be more of like a Mission Impossible kind of team. Right. So that you have that in addition to the regular Avengers. The fact that there's a reference Ant-Man makes 
the your mission if you choose to accept it he actually uses in one of the in one of the books yeah yeah there you go something like that so but yeah so that is that is that um i i guess for me i will admit that reading these coming on the heels of some of the other stuff and knowing what we've got ahead of us this this is another sort of tough time for moon knight in that at least to a certain degree, I don't think the, the creators really seem to know what to do with the character again. You know, he's he comes back from uh, from Mexico. They bring him back into New York. They're trying to make him a good guy who doesn't hurt people and drives around on his motorcycle in the middle of the day. They are trying to make him a member of a team. Really, we don't see much in terms of his personalities we don't see a whole lot in terms of you know there's a little bit of him fighting with Conchu, but it's nowhere near as interesting as it was back in the day and so this is this is another time where they just don't seem to be willing to lean into what moon knight can be and they're turning him into more of just a, a standard superhero the the Conchu thing he's he's back to being like this bird creature in yep. these books too which i guess is you know fine mm-hmm. i don't need to see a faceless bushman for the for in perpetuity whenever we're talking about kanshu again but but yeah he's it's it, it is sort of just this doesn't feel like his best work nope. it definitely just feels like doesn't quite live up to five or or even some of the other books that we've seen uh, before now. That said, I will say that from a craft again a craftsmanship standpoint, all of this is eminently readable. Right. The art is good, the story makes sense, it's entertaining. There's not just maybe. I, I don't think a lot of it goes down as classic Moon Knight necessarily. All right, so we promised you some speculation about what we're going to see uh, starting with the premiere episode of the TV show, which is coming out tomorrow as you listen to this. So we both took some some shots or, or made some calls as to some things uh, that you could see, or you can use this as a way to make fun of us for completely getting it wrong. Uh, Dan, why don't you go through and give me give me a couple of years and we'll go back and forth here. Sure. So first off, I'm going to just do a general. I think this is going to be great. I'm, I may be a little bit biased here, but I think that I nonetheless am more hyped for this than I have been for any of the Disney shows in a while. I absolutely loved WandaVision. Uh, I would think it would take something pretty good to knock that off its perch as my favorite of the Disney shows. But I think that this is, from what we're seeing, it's got a good chance to rank right up there at the top uh, as a favorite among the, the Disney Plus offerings of, of Marvel shows. That, that makes sense. I actually think I liked Loki a little bit more than WandaVision, but bo- both, were, both were really good. Um, I can't argue that, but uh, there you go. We'll have, we'll have to slightly differ on that, but it's, yes. not, it's, not, it's not something I would... Uh, Get into fisticuffs over. So I also so love Loki. The very first thing I'm going to say is I totally expect to be completely confused by the episode, and probably even after the second viewing, or I'm going to have questions that you're going to have to help me with. I, I think it's going to be very creepy. It's going to be very mysterious. 
and and it's just going to lead me not to really get what's going on and i'm going to do my best to be laser focused during the episode all of them but specifically the first one um but but i totally totally expect i'm not going to get what's going on initially cool what about you what's another one You know, first, I think before anything else, just want to note that I, I completely disagree. You've been you've been studying Moon Knight now for three months, Dwayne. You and and all of our listeners out there in Radioland are basically going to you know be at the same level as me and most of the other big Moon Knight fans that have been maybe at this for decades because we're gonna have read through all the books. You know all the characters that have been there. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of twists and turns, but there's a good chance I'm not going to be able to explain any of it any more than you are, because we should be on a relatively even playing field now. So as to me, I'm going to predict that Stephen Grant begins the series somehow under the sway of Ethan Hawke's Sun King character. And in fact, I would predict that probably uh, Hawk's character is somehow responsible for Moon Knight's current state of confusion. That is that is some interesting speculation. I, I like that. Again, prepared to be entirely wrong. But there you go. <laughs> so so I, I'm going to say that the, the costume, I think, is going to be every bit as good as it's looked in the in the still shots in the posters in the in the quick glances we've seen of it during the during the uh during the um tv spots and whatnot Mm -hmm. i and and i think each of the the main um people they oscar isaac ethan hawk and that maya may cat Callumway's uh, performance, I think, are all going to be excellent in this series. I, I think I don't. I'm struggling to think of who they could have picked uh, for these characters, e- even before seeing the show. But I expect we're going to think of them as just being absolutely perfect for the show. Excellent. I do think that um, somehow Make Lemway's character is going to end up being a a Marlene analog somehow or another. Either somebody who uh, is someone that uh, Mark Spector has adventured with in Egypt or that maybe even is his, his girlfriend uh, and that sort of will we'll see her kind of be that, that adventure partner and love interest as we move through the show. That's, that's probably not even a guess, in fact. That's almost <laughs> certain. More just the fact that I don't, I don't think there's going to be a Marlene. Let me yeah, let me no. put it that way. Gotcha. I, gotcha. I think that uh, May May Columbia's character is going to take that role. All right. So I am going to say that in this first episode, we are going to see one of the most graphic, graphically violent events we've ever seen from Marvel before. You know, we talked. Kevin Feige talked hmm. about how they were they were gonna they 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 were they were gonna pull the gloves and they were gonna you know, do this character right. And, and I think we've seen a lot of violence from this character over, over the span of its, his comic book career. And I, and I think it's going to culminate with there being something in this first episode that's going to be strictly right, right to that. 
I do not want to see someone's face actually ripped off on television. Just I, 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 I don't I'm think going it's to throw like up that. if they show us the Bushman battle. I, I, just, I don't I just know if it's going to be that. that, but it's it's going to be somebody's going to get absolutely All right. just destroyed on camera. And when we would typically think that they'd cut away, they're just not going to cut away. All right. My next one. I don't know why, but I have now convinced myself that one of the primary influences for this show is going to be the Moon Knight Volume 2 Fist of Khonshu series. We know Arthur Harrow originated there, and he's only ever appeared there. We've seen some of the artifacts and other things look very similar to the weaponry that he used during that series. Uh, And that was a series that had a lot of Egyptian um, sort of influence, and like it's probably the time, uh, at least in his earliest books, when... Moon Knight most sort of leaned into the Egyptian side of the character and and the Egyptian origins of the character. So I think that, God help us, that that six-issue, relatively uh, sketchy Fist of Conchu series is going to be very important to the Moon Knight television show. I think uh, even though they've done a lot with marketing... To, to get people to watch this show, I think there's going to be a major cliffhanger moment at the end of episode one that is going, you're going to be like, oh my God, I have to wait a week to find out what is going on or how this is going to conclude or something like that's going to happen. There, there's going to be some sort of major plot thing that they're just going to end with and, and we're going to be stuck for a week waiting for, for there to be... Um, Mm-hmm. resolution as as a way to kind of even further push the marketing and and kind of the the word of mouth of this show cool i am ready for that so and then and my last one i want to i want to note a specific issue for for whatever reason i've decided that moon knight volume 1 issue number 28 where Stephen and Marlene take a trip to, uh, to the Sudan. The Sudan, where Marlene's actually being invited there as a visiting lecturer, and then she gets kidnapped by this crazy guy who takes her out to the temple where Moon Knight was resurrected, and then they find a secret room and a bunch of stuff. And that book has a very like Indiana Jones kind of feel to it. And I would love to see some sort of callback to the way that, you know, at the end of it, uh, somehow or another, Moon Knight's standing on this thing and then Conchu like, just brings this gust of wind that gives him just enough distance to take out the bad guy and whatever. There you go. It's super comic booky, But I've, I am determined that that issue is somehow going to be a plot reference for some of this. So... And it's absolutely not just as a <laughs> So there's some speculation uh, and some predictions as to what we're going to see on the TV show um, starting tomorrow. So please definitely feel free to write us and tell us how, how terribly we've, we've met, messed the, the speculation up uh, after you hear this and after you get a chance to see the first episode. Uh, do you want to tell people about... Uh, your microphone yeah we we have a we have a response to numerous sort of listener mentions we had a bunch of folks who noted that my microphone has been a little muffled compared to Dwayne's, and so 
I have decided to acquire some different hardware and we are going to test this out. So if uh, you were one of the folks who kind of was having some trouble hearing me, hopefully this will help. Let me know. If I've made it worse, definitely let me know so that I can go back and continue trying to fix this. But uh, we, are, we are attempting to see if we can solve our problems with technology. So I, I think you've sounded better. Just as, as we as we've been recording this, I think you sound better. So, there you go. Uh, let's look look ahead. Uh, you know, we're going to have a special episode one podcast. Uh, the plan is we're going to record on Thursday, release on Friday, yep. uh, and that's what we're going to do for all six episodes of the TV show. And then we'll probably do a wrap up uh, episode. Uh, covering covering the whole thing, so we've got that to look forward to uh, later on this week. So keep 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 uh, keep that on your schedule. If you are subscribed to our podcast, you will get the episode as soon as it becomes available on Friday morning. But otherwise, next next week we will have another regular episode where we'll go through and talk about some of the history of Moon Knight. What is in the stack for next week, Dan? We have three things, sir. We've got the end of Secret Avengers, number 16 through 21. We made the break here because we're starting with a new creative team. So I'll get a chance to take a look at those. We've got Onslaught Unleashed, which is a tie-in that we're going to take a look at. And then we've got Moon Knight Volume 6, number 1 through 12. Right. Uh, and, and this is important because... Mr. Knight, one of the characters that we know is going to be a part of the the TV show, is first introduced during this volume, correct? That is absolutely correct. All right. Yep. So he starts there, and then we will start seeing him relatively regularly after that. So this was kind of trying to make sure we at least got a little bit into this before the uh, before the show. So. All right. All right. Well, we want to thank you for joining us again this week. We we love uh, for you to stick with us as we continue our journey through the story of Moon Knight. If you're not subscribed, please consider doing so on your podcast player of choice. You'll get each episode as soon as it's released, including the, the special TV show episodes that are going to start releasing this week. Uh, if you're already subscribed, please leave, consider leaving us a review that will help others find the podcast. You can send us questions or feedback about the show, or if you want to talk about the TV show when it comes live, you could do so at questions at phasesofthemoonnight.com. And for updates on our show, as well as other announcements or to interact with us on social media, you can do that on Twitter. We are at phasesofmk. All right, Dan. Hey. Next time we talk on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the TV show. That is crazy. I'm ready, though. I am ready. I am more ready than I have ever been, quite literally. I, <laughs> having having reread all of these books, we are we are ready for this show, man. It's time right. time to enjoy. All right. Uh, until next time. Take care, everybody. Yep. See you soon.